0: Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is the place to connect to who you truly are. We're bringing PhDs, experts, and leaders to help you elevate your mindset in your work life and in your love life so that you can see things differently and truly love your world. I'm Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, author, and TEDx speech writer and booker, and I'm excited to bring you in to this week's episode. Okay. You turn friends. I have a treat on here for you today. And it's Amber Spears. She is a global leader, keynote speaker, very sought after consultant, one of the top leaders in affiliate and partnership marketing. And in just that arena in general, she's been called upon by all sorts of different Clients in the industry like uh, Kajabi, ClickBank, Digital Marketer. So if you have an online business, you know those names to create courses on partnerships and affiliate marketing. And they are used by companies all over the world to grow their business with these proprietary methods that Amber has come up with. She's been called the affiliate marketing guru, queen of affiliate marketing, and probably her most favorite name is Lady Gaga of affiliate marketing, which I mean, I have to call her that obviously. (laughs) Amber also, she co-founded East 5th Avenue, which is a world-class affiliate management education and marketing company. They've trained over 2,500 companies. And she also has... A mastermind called the Four Rooms Mastermind. And she co founded Advanced Business Growth. And before being called Four Rooms Mastermind, it was called Mimosa Mastermind, which, like, God knows we love that. So her companies that she's helping often serve, you know, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs. So today, I wanna talk to her about whether you're in the workforce, whether you're in the beginning of starting a business, or you're starting to get momentum, what are some of the best practices today for you to start monetizing? Even if you just want it to be a side hustle that really pays you and takes care of you, um, what does it look like to make a quantum leap? I think that partnerships and affiliate deals, are they have a lot of horsepower in mm. amplifying your message. And I think a lot of us get into the mindset of one client after the next versus how do we get one big surge? And obviously... In business, you you know, there's different prongs, right? There's having a product you believe in and there's lead generation. And then there's sometimes being the middle person, right? Being in between the product and the lead. We're going to talk about all of these different things, algorithms on social media, all sorts of things. So Amber, thank you again for being here.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love doing these. It's so fun. I still don't know why they, I'm called the lady Gaga of affiliate marketing, but I'm into it. You tell me at the end of this if you know why. <laughs> but I think for me as if you're starting, I think the one of the most important things is to take on the identity of a seven-figure business owner, right? So what does that mean? It's like the mindset even if you haven't made even a dollar in your new business, it's what is the behaviors and actions that a seven-figure entrepreneur would take? Everything from like, how is somebody successful taking care of their bodies, managing their energy? What rooms are they in? What are they talking about? What information are they consuming? I think that is like one of the things that I wish someone would have talked to me about really early on. You know, I like to say I'm a new entrepreneur. I'm almost eight years in, we're at like seven years, nine months in East Fifth. And I wish someone had told me that from the very beginning, that it's not just like business tactics. It's like taking on the identity of who I want to become, Mm -hmm. you know, like Joe Polish, a dear friend of mine, he has this thing where he says, you know, treat yourself like a million dollar racehorse you know, not like the horse that's in the field, pulling the plow. And that has a lot to do with, are you getting enough sleep? Are you, you know, taking your vitamins? Are you getting, you know, the support that you need from family members, et cetera? Are you investing into yourself, putting yourself into the right rooms, going to the conferences, all of that, like that, what is your seven figure business owner identity? Because a seven figure business owner is different than an eight. So now that I'm at multi seven figures and I've had some years where across all my companies, we'd hit eight, but I haven't had that one eight-figure business that drives all of that. So now I'm really thinking, what is the identity of an eight-figure owner? And that's a different set of behaviors and beliefs and mindset than a seven, right? So if I could give you any advice, and it sounds woo, but it's like, what is the identity of a Mm seven-figure business owner? That's step one. And committing to yourself, you know, that's what you want to do. And it's not just about the revenue. I think it's like, also, my experience with business is I spent a long time doing things for the money. Came from a very poor background. You know, I was the first person in my family to go to college. Um, both sides of my family. You know, my parents were very poor. My mother's a Mexican immigrant. Like it, we had, we moved around so many times. My dad couldn't afford <laughs> the rent for high school for four years. I lived in a group home like CORE. So it's I just I wish that like someone had taken the time to talk to me about like my mindset and also like my belief that I could do it. And so that would be like one of the first things It's just like, what is the behavior of these people? And you can learn it by watching them on Instagram and like watching, what are they reading? What are they doing? Who are they hanging out with? What do they care about? But if it, if money is the only motivator, uh, what you'll find is as you start to make more money, uh, the rest of your life is falling apart. Like I had hysterectomy when I was 28 because I was sacrificing my body for money. I was like on the road, I was home maybe 3 days a month and I was a trash panda eating anything gluten wasn't working out wasn't doing anything and it came at a very steep price mm-hmm. but it's it is what it is that was my journey and fortunately I made enough money where you know I now have like stability in my life meaning I have you know real estate I have savings I have you know I have all kinds of things right I have a team And that as someone that came from nothing makes me feel safe, but it came at, like I said, a very steep price. So what is your purpose? I think is the other thing besides just the seven figure for the revenue is like, what is your purpose? And getting really clear on that. And and what's the identity of it, which is something that I think most people talk about.
0: Yeah. I think there's like these seasons in our career where you got to start somewhere. So we're in that money-making season. We're in that stability creating season. And it's kind of like the cost of admission for starting the life you maybe want. And it's always really sad when people put their bodies forward in a way where we have physical pain and limitations because of it. I think one thing that comes up for me is I am really good at manifesting. And when I do, I get into the mindset of who I want to be, but sometimes that'll get me in trouble. So for example, Mm -hmm. when my business was at you know 200K and I wanted it to be at a million, I was delegating too much. I was like, okay, the seven figure person isn't doing this thing. So I'm going to delegate this off so I can scale and take this responsibility off of me so that I can bring other people in to handle that. So I know a lot of business owners right now, they're margins are really thin and they want to scale. They want to be in that seven figure mindset. Can you tell us a little bit more about how to take that further and how to really ground that in the reality of where you might be? Because I know there's some people right now where maybe they're break even and they want to get into that seven figure mindset, but their bodies are feeling this like tightness of, I am barely making my rent. I don't even feel that seven figure. And you know, I love that you've been there, not because I want it for you, obviously, but I can feel that on you. I've been there. My dad lost all his money, nearly claimed bankruptcy when I was a kid. I made a lot of money, lost everything and had to give up my car, my apartment and all my luxurious things. And now being where I am, it means so much to me. And I'm a lot more steady Eddie, a lot more, a lot less like lottery energy with my business. Oh, I'm going to hit the big win. Like I'm a little (laughs) more like slow and steady wins the race, but Yeah, what does it really look like for somebody who's maybe just making ends meet to start getting into that bigger mindset? What are some ways they can do it?
1: Yeah, I think first is hold the vision, not the circumstance. Mm -hmm. You know, like just it, it is back to mindset. And like I've, you know, this has been a really hard year for one of my businesses, really hard. And learning to unattach myself, meaning like for the first time since the history of my business, we lost money. We lost money this whole year. And I haven't taken a draw from that particular business the entire year. Fortunately, I have savings, but it's also been one of the most expensive two years of my entire life. Like I bought my business partner out that cost a ton of money, you know, bought a house. I had a flood the week before I moved in, whole second floor collapse, mold remediation, all, all this stuff. It's been really challenging as an entrepreneur this year for me more than ever. And I think the thing for that person that might be sitting there, you know, looking at themselves and being like, man, I can barely afford to pay rent today. It's one whole division of the circumstance. Don't operate from fear and just know that you are not starting from zero. You're starting from whatever amount of income you're at right now to get to the next level. And when you are at that point, the most important thing is like your backs against the wall and your baby is your business. Like you're the only thing that can protect it. It like, it's going to get slings and arrows on its back and it needs money, it needs revenue. So it's whatever short-term thing you have to do, you know, run a contest, do a launch, talk to a partner, see if they can make referrals, like whatever you have to do to generate that, like that is your responsibility. And it can feel really heavy. I think also as women, you know, some of us are really burnt out of that, like masculine energy and it's like, Being in flow and having, you know, that feminine flow is something that I've really struggled with. One, I think because also I'm gay and I'm just masculine, more masculine than most in general, like I'm like half boy, half girl, I always say. So it's hard for me to turn it off and I've had to learn to do ease and flow, but I think there's a season and a time for it. It's easy to get complacent and it's easy to get stuck in fear, but like action beats meditation any day of the week, that's, what's going to get you out of it. It's like really looking at yourself and looking and being like, what am I doing right now? Am I doing busy work? Am I feeling busy? Like I can do everything I possibly can, or am I doing the things that are actually going to drive my business forward mm-hmm. and being willing to ask for help, ask for help from mentors, being willing to, you know, do what I love Ed my book, that whole concept of the power of one more. Yeah. Like one more phone call, one more outreach, one more, you know, Facebook post, one more. And sometimes it just feels like you're shooting it into the abyss and it's not getting anything, but the power of consistency and, and that holding of the vision, which is like, you know, not focusing on like the fear. Like my experience is when you're a newer entrepreneur, you get so consumed by the fear because you one don't know like what really the next steps are. And two, like you, you're just scared, right? Yes. You're like excited, but you're also like, when you start hitting the, I don't know if I can pay my rent this month, you're also scared. And that's a very real thing. As you get more experience, what you'll learn is like, you're still scared and still anxious sometimes, but you have experience. So you know that you can get through it. And so the way to shortcut that is like, listening to this podcast, reaching out to mentors, like I said, and just holding the vision that like, this is the seven figure business, the freedom, you know, retiring my husband, like whatever it is, that's a vision. So like reverse engineering it and like looking at where are the friction points in your business? Like it's usually maybe you're not getting enough leads in. So what can you do to generate more leads for your business? Like it's, that's usually like the number one, most
0: yeah. I was about to the ask you about thing. that. You read my mind yeah. It's yeah. or it's the numbers not adding up. It's I have five right. clients, but my revenue and my margins are really stuck. Yeah. Right. I, I also think about a lot of people who, a lot of solopreneurs that are like, shit, I didn't save r- enough for taxes and it they're in this like, mind. It's the worst. So the
1: worst. Uh,
0: tell us a little bit about lead gen, because I love the idea of partnerships. I feel like you need to have mm-hmm. a reputation for partnerships and what you were saying about masculine versus feminine energy. And obviously that can be totally gender neutral. It's like, you know, the masculine energy of pushing and create. I mean, if we look at our genitalia, we can see out and in receptivity versus outward energy. So I feel like when I, that's what I love about what I'm doing right now, writing and booking Ted talks is that my Ted talk going viral and being in the top 100 has created feminine energy in my career. Mm, Totally. Because it's invited things towards me and it's done. I put one talk out that truly represented me and 10,000 people are watching it every day. And it's, I am in so much more feminine energy because of that. Sadly. So many things are coming to me. And that for me has been really inspiring, especially writing. I've written talks for men and women, but writing for women really lights me up because I know that our biology is different mm-hmm. than that of our male identified, you know, counterparts are the ones that are born as with male genitalia. I feel like I've never said the word genitalia so many times on a podcast.
1: But anyway. <laughs> I'm cool with it. Um, I'm
0: cool with it too. I'm like, all right, lady got affiliate market. What the fuck I got? Maybe that's what we, why yeah. they call
1: me that. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I bring yeah. that out,
1: people. Yeah.
0: I guess I just I'm thinking a lot about people who are like, okay, I see all the famous internet people that are making millions, and they're paying a hundred k a month on ads, and maybe they had a struggle where in their first you know, journey with ads. It was like making ends meet. It's easy to look at those people and be like, how do I get started with lead gen? Mm, And how do I not burn myself out? So obviously for me, I'd be like, make a personal brand, do the Ted talk, write the blog post, get the slowly invest in a brand that carries you. But until then, when somebody's starting and they really need to add money to their bottom line, what are some of your favorite ways that you're seeing people generate leads, especially when they haven't yet? hit the even six figure mark, or maybe they're at the low six figures and they're moving um, into really sustaining their business and they're feeling exhausted. Like they can't go speak on another stage to get clients. They need something more sustainable. What are some ways that are tactical that you're really seeing work and that you love?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think one of my favorite techniques is actually something that I learned from one of my mentors and dear friends, Jay Virgin that I've implemented with clients and we've done ourselves as well in both companies that I own. And that's a concept called the power of eight. Now you don't have to do with eight people, but you can do it with with less. But what she did, I think it was probably 14, 15 years ago is before she was a four times New York Times bestselling author, her and Brendan Bouchard before he was huge before Gabby Bernstein was huge before Mark Hyman was huge. There's eight of them that basically committed to each other, you know, to be a power of eight for each other, meaning seven other people would promote you. So if they had like a live event, not only did they promote the live event, they attended the live event. If one person was invited on a podcast, they would list the other seven as, you know, seven potential people to get on a podcast, right? So they were very committed to their pod and it made sense for them because they served a core audience that was the same or similar. So if you were somebody that was following JJ Virgin, and you're a woman who wanted to lose weight and be leaner and be healthier, you're probably also wanting to improve your uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. Probably also wanting to improve your dating life. Probably also wanting to improve your health markers, your cholesterol, your blood sugar. Etc. You're trying to improve my experience. People who want to grow, they want to grow in all areas of their life, not just one. And so they served a core avatar that was similar. Typically, women over the age of 45, very like specific income level. That was who they all served. In my business, I'll give you a good example. There, is, I spend a lot of money on videos. So, like for four rooms, like we had seven events this year. AV and video and photography is a big expense for me but all those guys are also you know working with my ideal avatar which is 789 figure entrepreneurs that you know they want to be part of a group that that serves the whole entrepreneur not the part that makes money so they're out at all these events shooting all this stuff so we set up a joint venture deal where they're bringing in people to me and then I send them not just my business but also you know, business, like if someone in my group in my masterminds, oh, who do you recommend for video? It's like my team, look how great our stuff looks, right? Like they're the best. So they would be one of my, you know, power of eight. On the, you know, East Fifth side, we have people that we recommend for Google ads, for SEO, for, you know, design, for copywriting, right? Like we have that group of referral partners that refer to us for affiliate marketing and training. So it's all about figuring out who is your ideal avatar, who do you serve, and then who are all, you know, the people that they work with that would be able to commit to you, even if it's one or two people, right? You know, if you're like, let's say like a wedding planner, but you're also going to be working with, let's say, you know, furniture companies, f- decor companies, right? You're also going to be working with bridal companies, things like that. So going and being like, hey, I'd love to set up like a formal referral relationship for you here. I think we serve the same avatar here, are my rates, I'm willing to cut you in, you know, if somebody buys my, you know, hires me as a wedding planner, I'll give you 10%. And I'll also refer you because I think you have the world's best dresses. Like it has to be people that you respect and know can do a good job, but that's, you know, that's a really great way of going about it. I think yeah. is, you know, it can work for anybody. We set up stuff like that for brick and mortar. We've set that up for online coaches. We've set it up for, you know, supplement companies. Like it, it works for anyone and you just, you pick the right people and you're going to start getting really qualified leads in.
0: I love that. Okay. So let's say someone wants to create a referral program and they've created some credibility in their business. They've got a body of work. They've got content that has value. And they want to surge in clients. They want to get out of the one-to-one vibe and get into the burst of a partnership or a referral. What are some steps that you would say to get started and really ensuring that this is going to work out well for them?
1: Yeah. I think first is like looking at your current margins on what you're charging and figuring out, you know, what other people give for second tier. Which is really what's most common. You're giving mm-hmm. second tier or like a CPA. Do some research. You know, industry best standard is important. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the margin for it, I wouldn't do it. I think it's one of the biggest challenges that I had as a new entrepreneur is I would just look at gross revenue, not really look at like my actual margin. And that's the most important thing. I'd honestly rather have a six figure business with ninety percent margin than you know, multi million dollar business with ten percent margin. You know, I think a lot of people get really hung up on the number and yeah. I just, I think like margin is most important. So one look, if there was somebody that's your competitor, what are they offering in their affiliate program? Should you should usually be able to see it? Could you offer that without breaking, baking, breaking the bank? And then the next thing is like, how are you going to track it? Cause if it's one-to-one easy, they'll just send you a referral. You'll put it, you can put it on a spreadsheet and then you can give them a monthly update. Hey, you know, you sent me 10 leads this month, two of them closed. Here's who they are. I'm going to pay you, et cetera. If you're trying to set up like a group coaching program or you're trying to fill a webinar or whatever, you're going to need the tracking to be able to do that because a spreadsheet's not going to cut it. When you have mm-hmm. multiple people promoting you, you need to be able to determine who's who. So a simple one, we like Everflow. I like Tune. If you work with a lot of influencers, impact might be good, stuff like that. So you need to be able to track it. And then you need to be able to have... Something they can promote. So whether it's an ebook or it's a webinar, it's a live stream, whatever the ability to collect email addresses, phone numbers, obviously the ability to buy it if Mm -hmm. that's something. But I think that's probably the best way. Most people, when they're getting started, are not going to just crush it out of the gate straight to sale so i would prefer to collect their information and then nurture them through and make an offer right away but just know that most of the time selling direct is an art form just like anything else and it takes time to learn how to convert people so yeah that's how i think about it is like what can you pay what makes sense are you doing one to one or doing group what's the tracking who would be the best fit for you. Not just who would say yes. Cause I see that other mistake all the time is people are like, Oh, this person's going to promote me. And I tried promoting it, but it didn't work. And then I peel back the onion and I'm like, wait a minute. Why are you? you have a tantric Tantrica creatrix product? And you went and asked your buddy who has male erectile dysfunction supplement pills to promote you. Like that doesn't make right. any sense. Yeah. Just because you said yes,
0: it's my next question. Is really about getting to know your audience. I was telling you before we hit record, I have a pretty significant email list, but they've changed over time. A lot of you who are listening maybe come from my email list, and you know you saw me being like the job hunt lady Gaga of job hunting. (laughs) (laughs) I had about ten thousand people come through a job hunt course, but I feel like. I don't know if you're job hunting anymore. And I feel like people talk about this with email lists, do a survey. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what if only 500 people take it? Can I really assume that the people who took it are the people I'm talking to? Or are those the only people that you speak to because they cared enough to write back? What are your thoughts on how to get to know your audience so that you can pick referral partners and affiliate relationships that are mutually beneficial?
1: I think there's a a few different ways. One, there are uh, software subscriptions and products that you can use to upload your entire email list and then spits out like what's happening there based on the email addresses they opted in on and and all these other factors. So you could quickly get kind of an idea of who's on there. Also, you know, I would just say from for anybody that has an email list now having the filtration process at the front Someone who's done that really was well my buddy Tyler Bramlett. He now owns WeShape, but he's doing the same thing there where it's like you opt into the email list and it's like, hey, I'm an expert in helping you find a job, but I also know that you're probably going to have a lot of other questions. And as a seven, eight, nine figure business owner or whatever, or an expert in this. I also have friends that are best in class on these additional categories. I see a lot of people also wanting to have resume help or they're struggling with their with their eating. They're struggling with, you know, pain. They're struggling with whatever he had the fitness thing. So if you opted in for his list, it was like, what are some other things that you might be struggling with? You know, I have world-class help for you here, self-select. So then you're like splitting your email emails as it comes in. Are you male, female? what's your age range, like all that stuff that's going to help you. And then they self-selected some of their additional pain points that you could be talking to them about. So I think one, that's one thing, make sure that you set up your stuff for third-party offers. And then sending a third-party offers to your email list, I think makes sense because that's also going to tell you what's really resonating with them. If you send out how to two days to fix your resume and it bombs, but then you send out a really nice offer. Let me think what would work like, like a non-toxic beauty offer or something. And it crushes, then you know, Hey, my audience has evolved into this, right? So I think there's different ways of going about it besides asking them could be that, you know, the people that are going to answer, they're also going to be the the most hyperactive users and like openers of your list. So those are the ones that I'd want to target anyways, in general. So they could give you information, but I would definitely use one of those software programs where you can just upload it. I think it's, if you have them do it for you, you can you do the option where somebody can actually get their hands on your list and run that for you. Then you'll be surprised. They'll spit it out and be like, Hey, 73% of your people live in this zip code or have this income level, etc." unless they signed up with their university email address or something. But I, I think that there are still ways to get around it.
0: Okay, I have a few questions about a just sales in general. For example, I don't know why this is coming up for me, but I ended up speaking to a guy when I started my TED offer. And the reason this is coming up for me is because I haven't had a new offer in years. I've been doing so much job hunt stuff. Yeah. And so it's really exciting to have something different. But I talked to a guy who specializes in brokering affiliate relationships, he does mm-hmm. putting deals together, and I really didn't feel heard. By him in this, um, and he kept suggesting we have follow up calls, and I kept saying, "Okay, but can we not do a follow up unless this is what you can provide?" So I remember saying, "I'm looking for almost like an agency to set up affiliate relationships for me, and take a cut, not for them to coach me on how to go do that. Like Mm -hmm. I just want done for you." And he kept coming back and like telling me he wanted to coach me on this. And so I was noticing, I'm like, God, oh, this is so weird. He's so good at affiliates. And a lot of people have had you know, benefits from learning his coaching, but I feel so unheard in the sale telling him, I want it done for you. And I'm not a fit for coaching. I don't want that. And he yeah. kept coming back and then he broke up his payment plan. What about if I do it over 12 months? I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. That's <laughs> not what I asked for. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's almost like he burnt a bridge with me where I'm not really a, a grudgy sort of girl, but... I just look at how he does sales. And I felt so uncomfortable that we were on three or four phone calls. And I kept saying the same thing, thinking something changed. And so I want to talk a little bit about sales, like how, like just anything about your mindset on sales and what What mindset you would love to impart to the people listening? Because I know that everything is sales, right? Talking to somebody about doing a referral relationship with you, talking to, and maybe people listening, they don't really have an email list. They're kind of in the one by one. Maybe they're speaking for free at colleges or universities or meetup.coms or Eventbrights. They're going and speaking for free and hoping to build their email list. And you know, it's all sales. So what are some things that you think about when you're in that mode? Because- I don't, I hate feeling like pushy. And I know Mm. that for me now with the offer that I have, I don't have to, it's one of those offers that sells itself. It's, do you want a Ted talk written and booked? Great. That's what I'm doing. Other people, it's not so cut and dry. So Mm. can you share a little bit for everybody listening?
1: Yeah. uh, Before I do that, I think the point that I make is that it's so important to understand who you're selling to when you are just starting out most of the time it's most important for you to save money you need to save money and you need to make money so breaking things into payment plans is talking to somebody who is not like who has a different like need and desire mm-hmm. when you're hitting a certain level of success it's not about the money it's about your ability to buy your time back which is why you were asking for somebody to do it for you Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's a really important thing for anybody listening. It's who are you talking to? If right. somebody is not interested in what you have to offer and it's like the best thing and you like you think it'll work and they're telling you that they want something different, then I would one, obviously listen, but two, understand that you lo- they lost you not just because he's pushy and doesn't listen, but because you're in a different stage of your career and financial, you know, Abilities. So I think that's a really important point that people make when they're new and they've never been that buyer. They've never been you. Sounds like he's never been you, right? So he doesn't speak the language and understand you in that way. So that's just, you know, one thing to know. When it comes to sales, I don't know. My business partners have always said I'm a bit of a unicorn. I'm somebody who's a great opener and I'm also a great closer. Mm -hmm. That's rare in the industry. I don't, I'm not pushy. I don't sell to people that I don't think I could actually help. But I will say that has come with time. I have onboarded clients that I really felt like I could help in my bones. And I discovered later that we're not a fit. And Mm -hmm. that only comes with experience. If you're a service-based company, I think the most important thing that I would tell you and you're doing one-to-one is to do audits. Because Mm -hmm. what I've learned over time is almost like a car mechanic. If you drove your car up to me and you're like, man, this thing is smoking and has this really weird sound. I just can't figure, you know, I just don't know what's wrong with it. Me walking around the outside of your car and trying to diagnose it by the sound and the smoke is not going to work. It's actually very responsible. And I think that's what most people do when they're hungry or they're growing their business is they're like, I know exactly what it is. It's this, right? And I can solve it with my systems and my thing. But when you're a bit more experienced, you know that- that's usually not the case. Uh, Could be, you have experience, it could be, but then you do an audit and you look underneath the hood and you're like, okay, actually they said it was this and it's actually this, right? Pay me for the time. Helping helping somebody get clear on what they
0: actually need help with. You're saying like more of a clarity sweep first.
1: Totally. Because you really don't know. Mm -hmm. And so for me, we used to do free audits. We don't do free audits anymore. You know, and people are like, they, everyone sells us, you know, does a free strategy call and I'll certainly do those, you know, for 10, 15 minutes, just like, Hey, get on the phone. Why are you on the phone with me today? What are you looking for? Oh, I'm just looking It's you're not just looking. If you're just looking, you know, you have a problem. What is it? Yeah. Oh, it's this. Okay, great. You know, I can rattle off, you know, three or four things that it could be right. That you could have issues with. We have a formula. We look at, you know, on the ESIS side, it's, you know, what is the program that you're building, what are the people internally in your team and externally as your partners, and what is the process meaning somebody promotes you a day after day, month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year, rinse and repeat, it's usually broken in one of the three areas or all three. So I'll need to really have an audit done so I can review you. And now you're also positioning yourself as the expert. I don't do free ones anymore. And that would be hard for people, right? When you're first getting started, it's like, you need enough reps to be able to get the ability to do that. But that's just something I recommend is just, you know, knowing and owning your power. Also, if you have a gift and you have, you know, some credibility, you've been growing, it's Knowing that you can ask for different things and and be willing to do different things. You know, from a selling selling perspective, fortunes in the follow-up. I see so many people like not doing follow-ups. It's yeah. they don't want to be pushy. You're not being pushy if you just circle back around. I think also actually investing, another thing that I see all the time is people who are struggling with sales have never even bought a sales course. Okay. You've never even bought a sales course. So you're not reading the sales books. You're not doing the selling courses. And you're just like, wondering why it's not like, happening. why is it not improving? It's okay. Obviously, like it's because you're not doing, you're not improving your sales skills. So, so
0: I have to grab on to you talking about the fortuness and the follow-up because I love it a lot. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people get a client that's on the fence and they'll yeah. say, I want to start in three months or let me get back to you. Is there any sales strategy that you love that feels clean, that feels an integrity to get them to get a move on? Because I know that people listening don't want to be like, I'm going to run out of spots or whatever that thing is. That's just not feeling good. So it's like, how do the, is it like, okay, we're doing a promotion of this much off until the new year or whatever it is. Just any suggestions you have around that. So that's one question is just like urgency in the follow-up, like actually getting it closed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think well, that's sometimes that is a real thing. Like my girlfriend, for example, has a really high-end boutique organic social media company. She works with people like Lisa Nichols and Virgin and Gabrielle and all that stuff. So she does have a real scarcity of onboarding. And when she tells people, that's fine, you can think about it. But even if you want to start today, you're not going to start until November 15th or, you know, December 1st. That's like a real scarcity. But most of the time you don't have that. I think what you have most of the time is you have an objection that you haven't actually answered. You know, and I think a lot of it is like people have very surface level conversations, right? It's, I want to know why you want to fix this issue and how your life is going to change and how your business is actually going to change if you did this. If I waved a magic wand for you and you made more money, what would you do with the money? Right. Is it paying for your kid's college fund? Is it like finally taking that trip that you haven't taken in five years? because you have been working your buns off? Is it, you know, you want to retire your mom, get that new car? What is it? So just really kind of digging underneath and it's, you've punted it for this long, punting it for another three months. It's not going to hurt me. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not going to hurt me. It will hurt my soul. Mm -hmm. That you're not doing it and you're going to have another three months, six months where you're not catching up. And also I know as the expert, that's six more months that your competitors are locking down their power of eight six more months where they're running ad spend, growing their email list, doing all these things and jumping. It's not just six months that you're losing. It's quantum like loss here. But I just, I'm really curious at like why waiting three months from now is really going to solve it. And if you're really committed to it, then I would put down a deposit because that ensures your place in my spot. Even if it's 500 bucks, we make an agreement that it's going to be charged. I think you get into danger zone when you discount because you end up attracting a less than premium buyer i would discount it if they buy on the spot Mm -hmm. i like a fast action taker if you're a fast action taker i'm into it and i will discount it right on the spot because i'm like what you're talking about you're going to implement it and i like that if Mm -hmm. you want me to give you a discount for some decision you want to punt six months from now that's fine but i just want my price is going to go up it will because if you're doing good that's what's going to happen but i think at the core of it it's an objection issue and I would invest some of my the, the my favorite sales trainer, and there's many out there that you can find. I think one of the best ones currently is Jeremy Milner with Seventh Level. He has his any QP training, I think it is, and it's very modern and it has a lot of like tonality stuff. I've taken a lot of the like hardcore selling things, and there's always something to take away. And I just saw Michael Burnoff. He actually trained. We had an event last week. He came out and he was giving us some like voodoo sales training stuff. And some of it, I was like, even I felt a little comfortable. <laughs> like, he had this thing, and I'll share with you and for the audience, it might be interesting for them to hear. But, you know, someone's, oh, it's too expensive. Yeah. yeah. His answer is a pattern interrupt, which is it's not expensive. Yeah. It's unexpected. And had you come to me three or four years ago, uh, we would have fixed this money issue, but here we are. And so we're not expensive. It's just an unexpected price. And we're actually in the range of normal while on the higher range of normal, um, which is aggressive. I like it um, and I have a lot of respect for him. But I think where I would get to is just like it, it, it's unexpected because that's not something that you've paid for before. But Mm -hmm. what is clear to me is that if you keep going down this road, And you keep punting this problem, not only is it not going to go away, it's just going to get bigger. So I really want to figure out like, what is it underneath Mm -hmm. that's like preventing you from doing this and closing this gap between where you are and where you want to be? Because it's obvious, like we haven't, you might feel like you're not the right fit, or if you need to think about it, can you tell me what you actually need to think about? So the next time that we talk, I'm prepared to talk to you about the thing that you need to think about. And I think that's just most of the time. The problem, like I said, is... Not investing on up leveling your skills in that particular area. You're struggling with legends usually because you haven't been studying legion. With mm-hmm. sales, you usually haven't been studying sales, human psychology, closing, objection, your sales funnel, and follow up sucks. There's no automation. There's no, you know what I mean? Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm never going to forget what you said though. I love the fortunes and the follow up. And I think totally. there's- so much magic in that, keeping a list of your pipeline. I want to talk about getting started because some people are getting started and they want traction. They want testimonials and maybe they're willing to give away. So for example, I had one of my, one of my clients when I was doing a lot more business coaching, which I haven't done with all this TED stuff, she really wanted to just get started. And she formed a partnership and the person said, are you comfortable with me taking this percent of each client I send you? And I remember thinking, whoa, that's 35, 40% of what this girl is making. And the other person doesn't have to do anything but the referral, which is really valuable. It's lead gen, but off the bat, a lot of cash was going out the window for my client. And her thought was, you know what? I want to get started. I want testimonials. I want momentum. I have capacity. What is your thought on margins and let's say that somebody has a $10,000 offer? What percent do you think as a business owner, like that's a decent margin if they keep this much of that? I know there's no universal answer, but I would love to get a sense of your thinking on how much do you give away when you're maybe getting started and how much do you strive for instead of just saying as much as possible? You know what I mean? In your margins.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of doing your research, because okay. if somebody had come to me and made that offer, I would tell them that's not even in the range of normal. 35, 40% is an enormous amount of money for a coaching program where you're actually doing the work. That's if you have an info product and you're doing like no, you know, Nothing. implementation, that's different. That is on the range of normal. So I think that's first and foremost is it's your business and you can make decisions that are best for you and you can say no. And what I would tell them, if it's just, you know, I'm willing to do it and I want to get five testimonials and I would just be like, that's fine for the first five. But after that, we need to get into the range of normal, which is 10, 20%. And we'll go from there. I'll prove to you that I can take really good care of them. We'll get some great testimonials. It'll be a great case study. You'll help me get that because I'm paying you that much money, mm-hmm. you'll help me get these testimonials and these case studies. And then after that, we have to go back to a relationship that makes sense for my margin and for me.
2: And um, but that's something that comes from experience. There. Yeah, right.
1: that Yeah, that comes from experience. But I hope I save somebody on the call, um, on the podcast, yeah. some insanity right. on that. Because standard second tier agreements, um, which are referral fees, are around 10%. Yeah. They can get up as high as 20 for volume and that's if you are doing high touch group coaching, one-on-one coaching, etc. So that's standard. If you're having an affiliate send you customers and they purchase like your info product 30, 40% is standard yeah. up to 50, if they're sending a lot of volume, but you don't have a lot of work on your end that that's normal. And it's the same for like supplements, it's the same for anything that that kind of 10% rule.
0: Yeah. Okay. I love what you're sharing and I love the boundary. And I think there's a strategy there because maybe somebody's Hey, you know what? I'm willing to give away 35, 40% for the first three people they send me to show them what right. I and establish right. a relationship. Maybe it's a potential partnership where the person has a lot more and you can show your skills and your capability when you're new. Kind of going back to
1: margins. Like and get that in writing. And get like, that The biggest yeah. thing that I say with people is they make these handshake agreements and like people's memories are very short. Yeah. And like they remember different things. Guarantee right. you're going to remember different stuff. They're be like, oh, I thought it was in the first 15, not the first three. Right. It's just like you got to get it down in writing.
0: Yeah. And I know that that's so huge. And some people can be uncomfortable when they're newer to business to be contractual. And it's so important. And speaking of overhead and margins, like paying lawyers, paying accountants, paying
1: insurance companies, doing all these things add to your overhead. So- doesn't um, even need to be a contract. It can be a simple email. I mean, yeah. that's enforceable, right? Where you get off the phone. This is what I see people doing with partnerships. They get all excited to get on the phone. They do this. You know, they're like, this is going to be awesome. Then they send an email. It's so excited to be working with you. You know, da, da, da. but it's like, all you have to do is so excited to be working with you. These are points to be covered you know, we agreed that the first three were going to be 45%. You understand that that means I'm losing money and I'm basically working for free at this point to show you. But then after that, we're going to switch to the high end of normal, which is 20% for anybody that you send in perpetuity. You agree that for the first three, you're going to help me, you know, track on your side and in general with the client to get case studies and testimonials for that percentage and you know if they're if you know by this email if you don't answer it that's your agreement or if there's something in here that you think needs to be adjusted or you heard it differently then just you know respond and we can go back and forth on this email it can be yes. that simple right
0: yeah yeah i love what you're sharing and i want to get your gut reaction without even thinking about it let's say somebody's listening right now and they are 10k a client how much should they be planning on keeping just i'd say guy. at least 8 At least that's a pretty high margin. That's 80% margins.
1: Yeah. At least eight. I mean, that's what I'd want to be keeping is at least eight. That's before I pay my team, whatever. But if I, are you talking about paying an affiliate partner? Yeah. What comes
0: home into the business's actual pocket after everybody gets paid?
1: I would say at least four. You're saying like half
0: of it should be profit. About half should be profit. See, this is what I love because I feel like people are taking shots in the dark when they're listening and yeah. they're like, I- my margins are 30%. Am I doing poorly? And it's, you can probably stretch them a little more by raising your prices, increasing your lead gen or whatever you do. Yeah. Um,
1: it varies industry to industry though, because if you're cooking with gas at 30% as an agency, then you're doing well. Yeah. Right, because you have labor, you have overhead, you have advertising costs, you have that. A 30% is great, you know. If you're a restaurant, 10% is amazing, like you're usually at two to five percent. Right. Like it depends on what industry you're in. If you're in coaching, it should be a 40 50% margin because right. you're usually the only coach or the premier coach or a solopreneur, and you know, that's usually what you're taking home. But that's another reason why it's also important to like do your research is to know what is the normal profit margin because I'd be super stoked to get 30, 40% on our agency when we're at scale. Right. Yeah. When we're smaller, you know, the margins typically tend to be better when you're smaller. And then as you start yeah. to grow out, you're paying team, doing all that's going to change.
0: Yeah. A hundred. I'm having so much fun asking you all these questions. I feel like I could sit here and grill you all day. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Is there somewhere people can go to best kind of get into your orbit and really get the sense of the magic you're creating, whether it's in your
1: mastermind or just content around partnerships? Okay. Yeah. If you want content around partnerships, you can go to Eastfifthavenue.com slash gift. That's what I give everybody that we do a podcast. It's actually really good. It's not just like a generic little ebook that I put together to get people's email addresses. I really want to you know, leave them better than I found them. So East 5th Avenue, 5TH Avenue, fully spelled out slash gift. Uh, We've got a 19-point checklist that's great for beginners or advanced. We even have the whole webinar that I did on what to pay your affiliate managers or an agency or a broker or anything like that. Common pitfalls, all that. So definitely do that. If you're a seven, eight, nine figure business owner listening, and you want to be part of a group of like-minded people, you can always go to four rooms, We have an email list there or check out our groups or apply. Very high level people in there. I'm sure people you recognize if you're in digital marketing, you know, Molly Pittman, we've had, you know, Lavinia Erico, founder of Equinox, JJ Virgin, Joe Polish, you know, you name it, digital marketing have been there or, or are part of it. So yeah, those are ways to, to contact. And if there's anything I can do to help anybody, you can always email me, amber at east 5 com. That's my actual email address and ask me questions. And if I can help, I will.
0: It's so beautiful. I can really feel like you've been on all pieces of the spectrum. I feel like I have as well. And it's always really fun to talk to somebody that you can feel that integrity, like that understanding. And so thanks for what you're up to.
1: Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's an absolute delight.